Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. It's winter go-home time for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers, who had a first-round bye in the playoffs last weekend, will play the Los Angeles Rams Saturday at Venerable Lambeau Field in Green Bay. A victory means they advance to the NFC Championship for the second straight season. A loss means their fantastic season comes to a halt. Welcome. I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Greetings, Rob. How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, so far so good. You know, and hopefully it'll uh, get even better. And uh, I'm sure that's the way Packer Nation is looking at things these days, too, that this is just the start, huh? Tell you what, Gary, we, we've talked about it on the podcast about the last month. You know, we've had a segment kind of devoted to who would be the worst matchup for Green Bay. And, and I've continued to bang the Rams, the drum of the Rams, Gary. And 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 that's who's obviously coming to Lambeau. I, I, I hope for Packers' sake, you don't drum hit the drums too hard on them. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no doubt. I... You know, I, I would say because the Rams' uncertainty at quarterback play, Gary, you could you could flip a coin to me at least right now between the Rams and the Buccaneers being the worst matchup. I'll be honest, I'd rather play Drew Brees in the Saints. Drew Brees' arm looks done. But, you know, we'll, we'll get into it here and, and break it all down, Gary. But the Rams do have the model and the blueprint clearly to beat Green Bay. I mean, Donald is so good inside and and I fully expect him to play with that rib and, and be terrific and disrupt a lot of what green Bay wants to do, but he can slow down a run game. Uh, Jalen Ramsey can largely take Devonte Adams out of the game or at least keep him relatively quiet and in check. They can run the ball now with cam Akers, Who's really come on the last five, six weeks of the year, uh, Gary, and, and keep the ball away from Rogers in a time of possession type of a deal. We're talking about the Rams, Gary, being number one in the league in total defense, passing defense, and points allowed going against the number one offense in terms of scoring offense with Green Bay. So the matchup is fascinating. You know, the, the best defense in the league against the best offense in the league. Um, and we'll, we'll see which one obviously prevails come Saturday afternoon. But, but, but this, this is anything but a cakewalk for green Bay. And, and you wouldn't expect a cakewalk when you get down to the final eight and you're in the divisional playoffs, but, but Gary, at least on paper, this, this looks like a really difficult matchup for green Bay. Rabbi, I, I want to piggyback off of uh, some of your comments. Um, you know, if you're, you're going to break this down offensively, defensively, special teams, what would you say the Packers have to do offensively to, you know, overcome the uh, Rams? Yeah, Gary, I think they're going to have to run the ball. I, honestly, Gary, I, I think this is going to be one of those games where, where Ramsey is so good on the corner that he will take a guy like Devontae and keep him to about four catches for 50 yards. Mm -hmm. So now you're looking, where does Green Bay go in the pass game, right? And, and, and the Rams gave up about 190 passing yards a game this year, Gary. So, I mean, it's a really low number. They rank number one in pass. So now Green Bay, this is where Green Bay, Gary, could have really used a legitimate number two wide receiver or drafted one uh, would be for this specific game and for this specific matchup. Because now you've got Alan Lazard and MVS as your two and three against their second and third corners. And Gary, they're actually terrific 
at number two and three corners also. You know, Darius Williams, uh, one of the other corners, has four picks and 14 pass breakups. Troy Hill, who, who's probably their second-best corner, Gary, but he'll slide inside and play a lot of nickel because he's a little bit undersized, but he's, he's, he's quick as a hiccup, man. That guy is an undrafted guy who's turned himself into one hell of a football player. He has three defensive touchdowns this year, Gary. Um, you know, he, he, he's terrific. Do, do the Packers have three defensive touchdowns? I'm sorry? Do the Packers have three defensive touchdowns? Boy, I, I'd have to go back. I, I certainly don't think so. I remember, you know, they got the one early in the Lions game, right? Was that yeah. Savage? No, that was Shannon Sullivan. I, I don't know. So. That, that, that's pretty impressive, though, for one yeah, guy he, to have three defensive yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, he, he, he led the league in defensive touchdowns. With, yeah, I can see why. You know, he, he had wow. more than any player in the league. Two picks for scores, and he had, and he had a fumble that he returned for a touchdown. He's a really good inside slot guy in the third corner, Gary. I mean, they're outstanding, and their safeties are really good, too. So now you say to yourself, all right, if, if, if Ramsey is going to take Adams away largely, and, and Ramsey has done that, Gary, he, he dominated DK Metcalf in those three matchups this year where, where you saw Metcalf throwing a fit last week in, in, in Seattle's loss to the Rams. He certainly uh, slowed down and, and took away Hopkins in Arizona in their two matchups. So you're talking right there, Gary, two of the best five receivers, right, in football. Exactly. Adam's certainly in that group, probably Hill in Kansas City. And, you know, I guess we can argue whoever the fifth one is. But, boy, I, you know, Ramsey's so good, Gary. And, and, and Devontae is just kind of the guy Rodgers always relies on and, and looks to to bail him out. But, but Rodgers doesn't like to challenge top corners, Gary. If you remember back to earlier in Rodgers' career, when Green Bay seemed to see Seattle every single year and Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. you know, Jordy, was, Jordy Nelson was a top five receiver in football for a lot of those seasons. Greg Jennings was an outstanding receiver for a lot of those seasons. But, Gary, wherever Richard Sherman was, Rodgers just didn't even look there. He avoided that side of the field completely. And I, I'm really interested now in 2020 – a more mature, uh, a Rodgers who has grown, a Rodgers who's 37 years old now, will he take a few more chances going over there and going after Ramsey in that Adams-Ramsey matchup? Um, I, I remember back, you know, when Deion Sanders was a Cowboy 25 years ago, Gary, and Brett Favre would always challenge him. Now, at times, Deion got the best of him. And I, re- I remember in 97 when Dallas came to Green Bay uh, and Green Bay actually ran him out of the building, but Dion had a pick six in that game when Favre tried throwing outside for Freeman, mm-hmm. and, and and Sanders jumped the route and went the distance the other way. But later on, Favre got the best of him by continuing to go at Freeman, who was really in his prime at that time. Gary, I mean, there's no doubt Adams is in his prime. Does Rogers give him enough balls? Will Rogers give Adams a dozen balls on Saturday afternoon, Gary? My guess is no. So now you're trying to win with MVS and with Tunyon and with Alan Lazard in some of these matchups against their safeties in their second and third corners. I don't like those matchups a whole lot, Gary. I really don't. So I think the key to the game comes down to Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams in some facet. I think green Bay's got to find a way to run for 150, 160 yards, uh, keep the ball uh, and, and, and possess it. And, and, and maybe, maybe got a couple times Gary in that game. They could, they can hit home runs and, and you would hope MVS catches the ball when it's thrown to him. Maybe hope, Adams. Hope is the operative word there, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably blind faith. Yeah. Um, but, um, 
you know, Gary, I think the key is going to be the running game and, and maybe leaking Jones out and Jones has seven, eight catches or something like that in this football game. But, but I don't expect this to be a game, you know, where, where there's a ton of points scored. This isn't going to be one where green Bay hits its average of 31.8 points per game that I think they're going to finish in the low twenties and, and they're going to have to play good enough defense against golf or, whoever the quarterback is for the Rams to, uh, to keep them in check. I, I think they can do it. I think they will do it, Gary, but, but it's, it's, it's going to be a game maybe where uh, they have to grind it out on offense and then their defense has to really dominate the Rams on the other side of the ball and maybe set up some short fields. Yeah. Defensively. Well, from green Bay's perspective, I mean, it, it, again, like, like it has the, the last year and a half, right. It's, it's stopping the run first. And, in, in midseason, Gary, I, I would have told you the Rams had virtually no running game, and, and this lined up well for the for the Packers. But Cam Akers, you know, the, their rookie running back out of Florida State, has really come on um, in in the second half of the season. He had 131 yards in that win the other day against against Seattle. Um, in his last five games of the regular season, Gary, he averaged 85 yards per game. He put up 171 on a Thursday night against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a pretty good back. They have their left tackle back now, a, a really good player named Andrew Whitworth, who, uh, you know, who's older, but he's a, but he's a really good left tackle. Uh, their, their line is solid enough. So Green Bay has to, uh, you know, slow acres down and, and put the ball in Goff's hands. And, and I'm assuming it's going to be Goff, Gary, but I, you know, I, I don't think that's a given either. Um, the coach in LA, Sean McVay has, has not committed to Jared Goff, even though he, he won that playoff game the other day. There just seems to be something amiss there. They they don't love it. I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. The second half of the season, Gary, they, they, they've almost done everything possible to take the ball out of his hands. I mean, it's all been short, dink and dunk, intermediate kind of stuff. Um, you know, he's had games, Gary, where he's throwing the ball 30, 32 times and nothing's been further than 10 yards downfield. So they're giving him a you know, just kind of a barrage of short, intermediate, simple throws. Um, and, and even with that, Gary, he hasn't executed it all that well. Now, now of course, he, he broke his thumb in week 16. He had, to, he had to have three pins inserted in that thumb. So um, that, that will obviously be a problem, I would assume, Saturday afternoon, as Saturday afternoon turns to Saturday night, Gary, and uh, the weather becomes an issue and, and wind could become a factor and things like that. But, but really Goff, who was the first pick in the draft, I, I think in 16, it was Gary mm-hmm. has, has had largely a very average career kind of at best, you know, the, this might've been his worst year as a starter, Gary, 20 touchdowns, 13 picks, um, you know, the passer rating of about 90. They, they've largely asked him to just be a game manager. Don't go and lose it. You know, Wolford got the start the other day in Seattle, and and you saw Gary, um, Goff was healthy enough to play, and yeah. and he came in after Wolford got the stinger and 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 ended up at the hospital to get his neck neck checked out. That uh, they had to turn things over to Goff, and and he he was good enough to go win the football game. I would think that earns him the start come Saturday afternoon. But but kind of like I mentioned earlier, Gary, there's. There's something goofy going on there because Sean McVay's been asked two or three times about his starter and about Jared Goff, and he won't commit to him whatsoever. Well, you think of a kid just went and won you a playoff game with a broken thumb, 
you'd probably commit to them. Um, But that hasn't happened. That has not happened yet with the LA Rams. So obviously the Packers have a dramatic edge at quarterback, but you know, on the, on the flip side, the Rams have probably the best two defensive players in the game, probably the second and third best players period in the game comes Saturday afternoon, Gary. Um, That's how good Ramsey and Donald are. Donald Donald's going to the hall of fame and Ramsey might follow him too. So that's how good those two guys are on, on that side of the ball. They can completely disrupt an offensive game plan. And um, I, I expect this to be a grinder, Gary, you know, a 2016 kind of, kind of game where whoever wins it is, is, is going to have to convert their field goals, win the turnover battle and probably win, uh, probably win the line of scrimmage in the rushing game. Yeah. You know, you uh, brought up the relationship between Goff and McVay. I'm not saying it's uh, absolutely similar, but it has a feel of a Carson Wentz uh, situation in Philadelphia. Something is amiss, you know? And, uh, yeah, and, and Gary, that, that, that's going to be one where, you know, you know, uh, Sean McVay is not going to be the one fired like Doug Peterson was in Philly right. where they put the quarterback right. over the coach. Sean McVay's got as much time as he wants with the Rams. This could be it for Jared Goff. But, but you know what? I, I think it's, it's really a scary, uh, proposition to bring in Wolford to start an NFC playoff game against the Packers at Lambeau field. That, I, I think that's a recipe for disaster. I, I'm with you 100%. I can't imagine them going that direction. But but like I said, you, you know, you, you would have thought McVay did a press conference already Sunday and another one on Monday. Yeah. And he would not commit uh, to go off as his quarterback. And I, and I don't think that's gamesmanship. I, I don't think he's trying to get a, an edge. Um, you know, and make Green Bay prepare, prepare for both. I mean, Green Bay is going to prepare for both either way. I don't, I don't think he's playing games there really. I, I just don't think he's fully decided or committed and, and he's clearly not in love with Jared Goff as, as his quarterback. I mean, Goff started his career pretty darn good and pretty hot Gary and obviously got to the Super Bowl two years ago when they lost that 13, three game to new England. I think Belichick found a, found a lot in inside that Rams offense and, and inside of Jared Goff too, that, that uh, he put out there on film and tape that other teams have taken full advantage of in terms of ways to slow down the Rams and to slow down that offense. And um, Goff really hasn't been the same player since that Super Bowl, Gary, uh, you know, when they only put up a field goal that day and lost to the Patriots. So um, I, I'm with you hundred percent. If, if, if it was my football team, it's a no brainer. It's a guy like Jared Goff, who's, who's been a starter in the league for four or five years now, not a young undrafted guy coming to coming to Lambeau field, trying to pull off a, a stunning upset, but uh, I, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see it again. You would, you would think uh, you, you would have thought by now, Sean McVay would have made a call there, but, but, but he hasn't. So it's, it, it does make for a little drama Gary this week. Yeah. You know, I, I basically agree with everything you have uh, said so far. And I, I think, Keeping Cam Akers in check is absolutely huge. Uh, I mean, we don't have to go very p- far back to remember what uh, Raheem Mostert did, you know, against the Packers last year in the NFC Championship game. And he had 220 yards and, and four touchdowns, and, and the Packers couldn't shut him down. And like you alluded to, Akers is really at the top of his game now. I mean, he had that 131-yard game, 170. What was the other one? 171, right? 
Um, yeah, one seventy one against New England. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, you, you can't you can't let the Rams control the ball. I, I think that would be disastrous for the Packers. And and in order not to let that happen, they they got to shut down Acres. Uh, you know, the other the other thing I really believe in is, and you brought this up a couple times in the past on our podcast. Rogers has to bring his A game. You know. He just can't bring his B or C or D or whatever, you know, he has to show up. He, he has to be, you're, you're exactly right. He has to be the best player on the field Saturday afternoon, Gary. He's, he's been paid to be the best player now on the field for the last 10 years. And, and in a lot of games, Gary, he has been that guy, but in the playoffs, and we've talked about this before, obviously he has not been, uh, for, he, he's trying to get to his first NFC championship game ever at Lambeau field. Um, right. Because if they win, they'll, they'll host either Tampa Bay or the Saints. His other four NFC championship games, Gary, have been on the road 2010 against the bears. His passer rating is 55. Thanks to the defense. The Packers win 21, 14, uh, 2014. They lose an overtime to Seattle, 28, 22, a lot of blame to go around, right? You, 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 you can start with McCarthy. You can go Brandon Bostic. Don't forget the quarterback though, Gary, again, the passer rating is 55, two interceptions, uh, can't get the ball in at the goal line three times early, early in that game, and they they settle for sixteen nothing at half when it should have been should have been a far bigger lead. And that that second half, the Brandon Bostic stuff should have never happened. Twenty sixteen, he's in the NFC Championship game, Gary at Atlanta, and they're down thirty one nothing before they put a point on the board, and that's the third quarter. No points in the first half. Last year in San Francisco, it's twenty seven nothing at halftime. Again, no points in the first half. The game is absolutely over by the break. So, no, he, he has not even been close to good enough in some of these some of these big games, Gary. I go back to 2011, the 15-1 and one season, um, when he had a passer rating above 100 every game during the regular season except one. The Giants come into Lambeau Field, and his passer rating that day, Gary, is 77.8. And um, – uh, okay, let me let, let me ask you this, Rob. Uh, yes, uh, I didn't want to interrupt you, up, but oh, you're good. Um, do you think that's because of the opposition? That obviously in the playoffs you're playing against you know much better teams, or do you think it's on Rodgers that maybe perhaps he's he presses that he wants to be you know too good, too fine? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, Gary. I mean, obviously when you look at Seattle in 2014. That, that, that's an all-time defense, right? But mm-hmm. 55 as a passer rating is, is crazy bad. That, that's just – that's way too low. Go to 2016, Gary, when they lost to Atlanta down there in, in the final game ever in that Georgia Dome. That was not a good Falcons defense, Gary. I mean, that, that defense they had that year ranked the, in the bottom half of every major statistical category, and Green Bay couldn't put up a single point in the first half. Um, San Francisco's defense last year was obviously elite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Bears defense in 2010 that he saw in the NFC Championship game was was outstanding. Um, that Giants defense he saw in 2011, Gary, was on the rise. If you remember, then they won the next week, two weeks later against uh, against New England and, and got after Tom Brady pretty good that day. But it, but it wasn't a great defense at all during the regular season. You know, Rodgers has just had some, some hiccups and some bad games. Rogers at the wrong time (laughs) at the wrong time. I mean, Gary Rogers, Rogers is a complete historian of the game. He understands um, legacy as much, if not more than, than any player out there. He, 
he gets it, Gary, that there's only 12 quarterbacks in history that have two Super Bowls or more. Uh, that, that he's just in this big pond right now with the Trent Dilfers and the Brad Johnsons of the world that only have one Super Bowl. Uh, clearly, he's a, a dramatically better player than those guys. But Rodgers is just with this group of guys with one. He wants a second one desperately, Gary. So his name jumps up there, right, with the Tom Brady's and, and, and the Aikmans and the, and the Bradshaws and the Montanas of, a, of, of these guys with multiple Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. And, and he can become the 13th guy to do that um, if, you know, if things go well th- this particular postseason. I asked him last week, Gary, about his legacy, um, and, and he understands it. I mean, he gets it. People don't give a dang what you do on in September against, you know, Jacksonville and in November against the Eagles, you know, you and I here are, we're talking about games from 10 years ago in the playoffs, right? That that's what matters. Your, 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 your legacy and your history is defined by what you do in the postseason, not what you do in October. And Rogers gets that. And, and more than anything, Rogers wants to, to get that second ring and, and maybe join that group. So yes, Gary, I think your point there is extremely valid that, that he presses a little bit in some of these games. He tries to be too perfect or too fine. Um, and, and, and I think he's just got, he's got to just go out and play like he obviously has all season long. Um, he seems to have a real inner peace. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I think there's a chance Gary, you see a different Aaron Rodgers on Saturday afternoon in the playoffs than than maybe you've seen in, in some of these clunkers he's had, um, you know, the, the last seven, eight, nine, ten years. And um, again, Gary, they need, they need Aaron Rodgers to be great. This can't be a game where, where when it's over, you say Rodgers, you know, you, you give Rodgers a C for his grade. Yeah. Rodgers needs to be an A because the Rams are that good on defense, Gary. If the Packers are going to score, you know, 27, 30 points, something like that in this game, Rodgers has to be outstanding. Yeah, you know what, and we've seen that throughout the playoffs already. You know, last weekend, all the good quarterbacks came to play. I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson. He's had his struggles this season. He showed up big time. You, you look at Josh Allen, he was outstanding. Tom Brady is playing out of his mind right now. Um, I, I forgot how many times. I think he's got, Rob, I think like 12 touchdowns in one interception his last five or six games. So he's back to being, you know, the Tom Brady that uh, we've always known, but you know, that, that's why they're paid the big bucks. You know, they, they, they have to deliver in uh, big games. Yeah. And back to Brady, your, to your point, Gary, for a second, he's your, your guy, Antonio Brown is showing up, isn't he? So that's yes, a, he is. <laughs> that, could, that could be a scary matchup too for green Bay. If, if Tampa wins on the road Sunday and, Green Bay holds serve at home on, on Saturday. You know, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a tough playoff path for, for Green Bay um, right now. They're going to have a couple of matchups against really high level defenses. And, and you're right, Gary, this is why quarterbacks get 30, 35, $40 million a season, which is Rogers is obviously right in the middle of with, with, with that group. They you're paid for the, you're paid for the playoffs. And, and really Gary, when you look at it for the most part, the teams that are still standing have elite quarterbacks. I mean, the Rams are an exception here, but look at the rest of the NFC, right? Mm-hmm. It's Rodgers, Breeze, and Brady, right? Three first ballot Hall of Famers. You would argue Brady's the greatest player in the history of the league. Rodgers and Breeze are somewhere in the top 15, I would I would have to think under almost any, yeah. you know, anybody's rankings anywhere. You go to the other conference, Gary, Mahomes to me is the best player in the league. 
Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the league uh, last year, right? Correct. Yeah, last year, 2019. Yeah. Josh Allen on a, on a normal year could have been the MVP of the league this year. And, um, you know, the fourth guy is Baker Mayfield who upset big Ben, who's going to be a, a first ballot hall of famer himself, but Baker's playing pretty well too. He was the first pick in a draft. So, you know, to, to your point again, Gary, if, if you don't have that quarterback for the most part, you don't have a chance. And seven of the eight teams that are still standing, I would say have the quarterback. The Rams are probably the one with the greatest question mark, but they do still have a quarterback Gary who, was the first pick in, in in a draft five years ago, and he's played in the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, we're, we're we're talking about the quarterbacks, all all the ones that are still standing in the playoffs, and it's incredible. You, you think of Jackson, you think of Rodgers, uh, you think of Breeze. They were all late first round picks. You know, you, you, they weren't taken near the top. You know, like Goff was. You know, for instance, uh, and some other guys. And you look at Tom Brady, we all know his story about where he was drafted. And uh, you just wonder when it comes to the draft, everybody makes this big deal about, yes, you need a quarterback, but do you find that quarterback always at the top of the draft? And, and this playoff is showing that's not always the case. Yeah, that, that's actually pretty interesting, Gary. Uh, let, me, let me go through this real quick once. Rogers a first. Brady a sixth, right? Breeze, right. Breeze was actually the Breeze was actually the first pick of the second round. That's right. Um, they, they made that trade. Yeah. And okay. Goff was the first pick in a draft. Baker was the first pick in a draft. Uh, Mahomes was a first. What was he about tenth or eleventh? Yeah. That particular year, Josh Allen was a first. He was he was the seventh pick in the draft, and Lamar Jackson was the final pick of of the first round. Um, the, the year that must've been 2018. Cause he went with Jair Alexander cause they were teammates at Louisville and they went to about 15 picks apart. So um, no crazy Gary, you're, you're exactly right. But you know, if, if you, if you don't find it, um, you, again, you're in trouble. You really don't have a chance. But look, look, look at the team sitting home right now. Right. I yeah. mean, Jets. Um, do they have the quarterback? Probably not. Um, you know, you, you go team by team through the league, right? Denver doesn't have the quarterback. Maybe the Raiders don't have the quarterback, right? Uh, Dolphins are still trying to figure it out. Giants, do they have the quarterback? Probably not, right? Does Minnesota have the quarterback? I don't know. We can go team by team, Gary, but if the, the bottom line is, and Ron Wolf, I remember said this when he showed up in Green Bay 30 years ago, if, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. And, and he threw the first round pick to Atlanta for Brett Favre, and, and obviously the rest there was history. Uh, Ted Thompson rolled the dice on Aaron Rodgers and took him you know, even though Brett Favre was still playing really good football at the time and finished second in the MVP race his, his last year as a Packer, but they turned it over then to Rodgers and they've gotten 13 more years of outstanding football. And you're going to see the same thing happen a couple of years down the road with Jordan Love replacing Aaron Rodgers. That, um, you know, if, if, if you think you have the quarterback, Gary, and you think you have a chance to get the quarterback, go ahead and do it because everything else in this game is secondary. Yeah, and I'll tell you what uh... – We'll, we'll be talking about this down the road, but this upcoming draft has some outstanding quarterbacks. <laughs> they're they're going to make some teams very happy. Hey, yeah, uh, just one other uh, aspect of this game. Uh, we covered the offense, we covered the defense, and I know this is your favorite area on the Packers, <laughs> special teams. And the special teams have been anything but special this season. Uh, what do you think? You think they're going to hold up? No, no, I don't. There's, 
Uh, Gary, I'm a big believer in, in history and, and what, what has happened the last four five, six weeks, right. Are, are telling with what's going to happen this time. And, and the definition of insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over and over again. Right. And, and, and green Bay seems to be doing that with, with the special teams. Now, now in fairness to their coordinator, Gary, Sean Meninga, there's probably not a lot of answers on the roster, but I mean, he's got to go into this game, Meninga that is, and, and so does Matt LaFleur, almost Gary, just crossing your fingers and praying that you get a draw um, in, in that element of, of the game. Because if you do, you're going to win the football game. You're, you're, you're not quite as good on defense. You're, you're dramatically better on offense than the Rams are. So you should find a way to win the football game if you don't botch it on, on special teams. Gary, they, they can't give up a 90-yard punt return to – to a Keelan Cole like they did in, in the Jacksonville game. They can't give up a 77-yard punt return like they did to Jalen Rager in the Eagles game. They, they can't have a field goal blocked like Tennessee blocked the field goal uh, a few weeks back uh, of Crosby and, and brought it back to the 20, even though the Packers in that instance were kind of saved by a bogus penalty. Um, they, they, they can't have a blocked punt like Houston blocked J.K. Scott's punt. Um, in week seven or eight or whatever that was, Gary, you know, but, but the thing is, and I traced this kind of, kind of game by game in a story I did over the weekend at Forbes, Gary, um, it's, it's literally, it's about eight of the last 10 games where they have had a major gaffe like that of some sort. Mm-hmm. And again, if, if, if you just trace history and, and connect the dots, it, it suggests that something bad is going to happen in that element uh, or in that aspect of the football team on Saturday afternoon. And they, again, Gary, they, they've got to find a way simply just to not screw it up there. Um, if that means you tell JK Scott to punt the ball 38 yards and it goes out of bounds, then you do that. If that means you stick Adrian Amos back as a punt returner to fair catch the ball, instead of giving it to a fumbler like Tavon Austin, then you absolutely go ahead and you do that. If you tell your kick returner, Gary, I don't give a darn. If you're one inch in the end zone, you kneel down and don't bring that ball out. And we're fine starting on the 25 yard line because the quarterback is outstanding and the running back and the offense are great. Then you do that. I would just minimize risk in that, in that area, Gary, as much as possible and cross my fingers and and hope for the best. And, and I think they're going to do that. Um, It's not a conservative head coach whatsoever Gary and 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 you almost hate to to just you know forgive the term here but just punt with 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 that part of the football uh team right with 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 that part of in in theory it is kind of still one third of the game um you almost hate to say all right let's let's just hope for a draw on this and we'll and we'll make up for it in these other areas but I'm telling you Gary if, if they go all out and they tell Austin to try to bring everything back and Malik Taylor coming out on kickoffs and, and they're punting the ball uh, right to a guy down the middle of the field somehow, instead of kicking it toward the sideline or out of bounds, they're in for some danger. So I would be unbelievably conservative when it comes to special teams. I would minimize risk Gary. And um, honestly, Gary, I, I would almost ask my guys to try not making a play to just not screw it up and then put the ball back in the hands of Rogers and, and your defense. Yeah, and as, as you well know, a lot of teams over the year or a lot of games over the years have been determined by special teams play. You know, it comes down to a three-point game or whatever, and uh, teams that have 
good special teams usually prevail. The ones that don't, you know, don't win. So, hey, um, we, we got your take on, on what the Packers have to do. And uh, I gave my takes on, on what the Packers have to do. This, this past week, or actually after Sunday's game, I had a text exchange with an NFL scout, okay? And I asked him, what do the Packers have to do to beat the Rams? Yeah, the Rams. And uh, this, this is what he sent back to me, and, it, and it's kind of interesting. He leads off by saying, don't force to Devontae Adams because Jalen Ramsey will be shadowing him, which is what we talked about earlier. He said, quote, throw to the running backs. The Rams' weakness on defense is its linebackers, okay? Then he goes on to say, attack uh, Goff with Gary and Bo Smith being on the field at the same time. Blitz the, well, we'll leave that word out. (laughs) Blitz the, you know what, out of Goff because the Rams' weakness, now he's talking about an offense, is their offensive line. And then he goes on to say, don't turn the ball over and they should be good. And he finally adds, and this, this is kind of interesting, and it kind of uh, fits into what has transpired in the last day or two. He goes, Elgin uh, Jenkins can slow down Donald on his own. He's damn good. And that kind of ties in to where are the Packers going to play Jenkins? You know, you're well aware they uh, signed uh, Jared Veldier the other day. And uh, do you think Veldier is going to come in and play right away and they'll move Jenkins back inside? I think only if things go really poorly, Gary, or there's an injury like to a Rick Wagner or something like that, Mm -hmm. um, who's obviously kind of been dinged up here late in the year. Um, I'll tell you what, I I hold Jenkins in the highest regard, uh, but I I disagree with your scout there. I, I don't think any guard in the league can handle Donald one-on-one. Um, I wouldn't want to. Um, now, again, Elton will be on the left side. You'll, you'll have Patrick on the right. Um, Donald's interesting, Gary. He, he's, uh, he's lined up at both interior, you know, defensive tackle spots, an identical mm-hmm. ma- amount of snaps on the right and the left side. So it isn't like he's always lined up over the left guard or always lined right. up over the right guard. Right. He's flip-flopping, and, and he's playing an identical amount of snaps over both. And then actually, Gary, when he's bounced outside too, and they've used him as an end this year, I think it's about 50 times uh, coming off of each side, you know, but, but he'll do that five, six, seven times a game. And, and that's been identical to Gary. He, he's lined up over the right tackle and over the left tackle the same amount of times. So I, I again, I think Jenkins is terrific. Um, if you have to leave him alone with Donald five, six, eight plays, that's fine. But otherwise, to me, Gary, maybe the most important player on the field is going to be Corey Lindsley, who's going to be asked to double Donald yeah, most yeah. of the day. Certainly, he's going to be asked to double Donald uh, when, when Donald's lined up over Patrick. Whether you leave Jenkins alone or want, want some help there from Lindsley is, I guess, a, a Lafleur decision. It probably depends on the play and various things you're, you're trying to get accomplished in, in that offensive offensive play. But, boy, I'm... Uh, the rest of the rest of what your scout there broke down, Gary, I, I'm spot on with. I I didn't get into that. The Rams are not very good at linebacker. So again, th- this could be an Aaron Jones yeah. nine for 115 type of a day, in, you know, through the air. Um, and Jones and Jones kills them that particular way. 
The Rams may end up taking their slot corner though, at some point in time and putting him on Aaron Jones, because Aaron Jones could be the Packers second best receiver in, in this football game. I'll be honest. I take him in a heartbeat over MBS. And now you flip a coin between, between him and Lazard where, where maybe the Rams even take one of those other corners, Williams or Hill and line them up at some point with, uh, with Aaron Jones, Gary. But, um, but, but I think your scout is spot on. That's the way to get to these guys is, is with the linebackers. And, and whether that's Aaron Jones on the ball, uh, running the ball, trying to get to the second level, Gary, or in the passing game where you get him lined up, you know, a dozen or 15 plays against a linebacker, that should be a matchup Rodgers absolutely loves. And, and they might get Tunyon uh, lined up on some linebackers from time to time. And maybe even your guy, Jay Sternberger. Um, X-Factor. Yeah, there you go. There, there's your X-Factor. But you're right, Gary, and your scout is exactly right. That's probably the spot that, that you've got to try to take advantage of because the front four um, or, or the front three, actually, that, that, the, that the Rams will go ahead and play, you know, with, with, with Brockers on the outside next to Donald. And, and then Leonard Floyd will line up over a, a tackle a lot of times, too. He, he's the ex-Barry. He's got about 11 sacks, Gary. He's, he's had a heck of a year for these guys, too. He was a disappointment his four years in Chicago, but he, he's broken out now with the Rams for, for whatever reason. And um, they can get after people big time. And, and, and I like what he said there too, about the, the Smiths on the field together uh, with Gary. Gary, I think is the X factor to me. He's green Bay's far and away most improved player this season. He's headed toward a pro bowl by year three or four, the way, you know, if he takes a similar jump uh, in 2021 yeah. to what he took here in, in 2020. And uh, you might get some matchups there. Um, you know, um, on the defensive side of things that really work in, in your favor that, that I think they can get after golf big time with the two Smiths and Rashawn Gary. And um, I, I think that's another huge key. And I, I think your scout is spot on with that, Gary. You know, uh, get, getting back to Donald and all your points are, you know, very legitimate. And, and like the scout says, you know, uh, Jenkins can slow him down, but nobody's going to slow down a, a player of that caliber. My biggest fear for the Packers is they go to that empty backfield, which they do a fair amount of times, and they hope their offensive line is going to hold up. And I'll tell you what, again, if they do that, I think they're asking for trouble, especially against the player, you know, the caliber of Donald. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if you're going to do some quick hits and stuff like that, you can get away with it. But if you're in a third and 15 or a third and long situation, and you're hoping that your your line's going to hold down Aaron Donald for four or five seconds. Good luck with that. Yeah, no, obviously they can't get in third and longs and things like that because the Rams will get after you. I think the Rams were second in the league, Gary, in sacks. They had 53, 54 sacks, something like that. So well, he, he had know, a ton. I, I can't remember what it is, but he's got Donald like, had 13 and a half himself. 13. He had yeah. two last week and he, and he didn't, even, didn't even finish the football game. So, you know, he's at He's at 15 and a half. Um, I mean, Gary, the number he's put, the numbers he's put up from, you know, a, a defensive tackle spot are, are largely just unheard of. I mean, you, yeah. you'll see a lot of defensive ends getting a dozen, 15 sacks. You, you just don't see this right for, from a nose, from a defensive tackle. And, and that, and that's why, I mean, I think he's in year seven, Gary, and he's at about 85 sacks, give or take, I think is, is where he is. I mean, if, if his career ended tomorrow, I don't think he'd go to the Hall of Fame. I think it'd be like Terrell Davis, where 
where the voters would say, or Sterling Sharp, where the voters would say we we needed a longer stretch of dominance. But he might, Gary. I mean, he's the last four years, he has been the best defensive player in football. And some of these years, it's it's not even close. He's won defensive player of the year twice, and he could probably have a couple more. It's almost like Michael Jordan, you know, should have had about 15, you know, NBA MVP awards. And what do you get five or six of them? Because people get tired of voting for the, for the same guy. No, he, yeah. he's, he's that dominant Gary. I mean, he, he is, he is that good. And, and what makes it so difficult and Rogers has talked about this a lot through his career, you know, when the pressure comes right up the middle in your face um, and, and then they collapse you on the edges and there's nowhere to go that, that is more damning than, than pressure coming off an edge. Uh, where, where Rodgers can escape that pressure and get outside the pocket and, and he's got some room and he sees that pressure coming. When it comes straight up the gut, Gary, in 2.1 seconds or something like that, there's not a lot that a quarterback can do. So, no. I mean, not only, is, not only is Donald that dominant, he's doing it from a spot on the field, which, again, can absolutely wreck a passing offense. And, um, again, if Green Bay can somehow get a draw or just not lose that matchup against him dramatically – um, I think they'll be in good shape, but, but that's a tall task for yeah. those two guards. And, and then for Corey Lindsley. Yeah. He's one of those players that uh, tilt the field. There, there's no question about it. Hey, you know, the uh, nice thing for the Packers is the uh, Saturday forecast and it calls for a high of 32 degrees with winds up to 15 miles an hour. And uh, it's supposed to get down to 18 that night. In Los Angeles, Rob, it's going to be a mere 84 degrees that day. <laughs> I'll be very curious to see how they handle the weather. I know a lot of these guys are going to come out and, you know, wear their short sleeves or not wear a shirt and be tough guys. But I'll tell you what, it's making them think. In a normal game situation, you don't even think about the weather, you know? It's a non-factor. But when you start thinking – and uh, start having mind games about the weather that could be advantageous to the Packers. It can, and it should. And, and honestly, green Bay probably wishes it was even a little bit colder, a little bit windier. They, they probably wish they had the Saturday night game, right? Not the three 30 game had the seven right. o'clock. Right. Uh, because, you know, I, I don't care where these guys are from, whether you grew up in the South or the West and, and you weren't used to it after a couple of years in green Bay, um, and, and this is your norm now, 28 degrees from pretty much from November to January, your body does get a little bit more used to it and acclimated to it. Um, I know as you get older, you don't like it, but these guys, 24, 25, 26, they don't mind it. And, and it, it is a mental game, Gary. And, and the Rams can come out in short sleeves and, and things to that effect. But I, I can tell you, there'll be a lot of those guys too by the second quarter that are looking for the heaters on the sidelines and the quarterback will go find his parka and things like that. They, they, they are not used to it. It's not, it's, it's not like the Packer players were on a normal Wednesday. They're running around on this, uh, in, in this kind of weather from right from, from November through January before they go to wherever they make their off season. So no, I, I think it'll be big Gary and, um, that, and you combine the fact that now they're going to let in about 6,000 fans, I, I would assume those people are going to be crazy loud um, and, and they will be able to hear them. I mean, they're, they're going to make a lot of noise. I, I think that will play a, a small role in that game. You know, honestly, I'd like to see even more than that for the NFC championship game. If the Packers win and are able to host that game as well, but, it, but I think that's going to give the Packers a little bit of a boost to Gary. Again, they're, they're a seven point favorite for a reason. 
I, I think I think the overwhelming majority of boxes you check Green Bay and give them the edge. It's just there's there's a few spots on the field that can absolutely mess this game up from a Packer perspective. Moving along here, uh, I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about uh, the the two games that'll be played in the AFC this weekend. Uh, one between the Browns and the Chiefs, one between the Ravens and Bills. The Chiefs are favored by 10 points, and uh, it wouldn't shock me if they won by 30. <laughs> Conversely, it wouldn't shock me if the Browns made it a game simply because of their running attack. But uh, you, you got to be happy for the Cleveland, Cleveland fans. They've had, what, a 25-year drought, is that right? from winning a playoff game yeah it was 18 wasn't it from being in the playoffs and i think you're right belichick was the last one to win a playoff game in 94 is that when it was gary so yeah 26 yeah yeah and and, and you know what a lot of people have been mentioned for the brown success but i'll tell you one of the unsung heroes for the brownies was uh linebacker bj goodson remember him oh yes <laughs> i i didn't realize this I, I knew he was having a good year but he had, at least for the Browns, a, a great year. He had 91 tackles, which was almost 20 more than the nearest Browns tackler. And uh, he's really done a very nice job of solidifying that defense. I hadn't realized his tackle count was that, was that high, Gary. Um, I would say the key to that football game is Cleveland is going to have to have three drives that – are 10 plays or more, right? Three yep. drives that take yep. six to eight minutes off the clock. They've got to win that time of possession 36 to 24, you know, something like that, Gary, and keep the ball away from Mahomes and that offense. And they can do it. I mean, you want to talk unsung heroes. Everybody knows Nick Chubb in, in Cleveland, one of the best running backs in football. But boy, what this Kareem Hunt has been a beast too. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I watched that Steeler game pretty closely the other night, and I've watched the Browns a few times this year. Both of those running backs, Gary, just – I mean, it takes three guys to get them to the ground. They mm -hmm. run so remarkably hard. They completely overhauled that offensive line. It's now probably one of the best five to eight offensive lines in football. Uh, J.C. Treader, the ex-Packer, kind of one of the leaders up there at, at center, and then they – Gary, they, they, they can run the heck out of the ball and, and the chiefs are not great by any stretch of the imagination on defense. So, I mean, if the Browns can keep the ball much like they did uh, in, in, in that Steeler game at key times of that game, you never know what's going to happen. But, but again, I, I, I'd be shocked if they find a way to go into Kansas city and win, but I think they cover the 10 Gary. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's not of the realm of possibilities. Now the other game between the Ravens and bills, I mean, that could be a classic. Uh, the Bills are favored by uh, two and a half points. And even though this isn't a sexy game, I, I think it could be the best game with the uh, ones that are played this weekend. Um, if Lamar Jackson plays like he did, uh, you know, against the Titans. I, I, don't, I don't know how much of that game you saw, but <laughs> we, we, we were talking before about uh, Aaron Donald being able to tilt the field. Lamar Jackson, when he plays – up to his capabilities, can tilt the field, and he did last week. Um, and then the same goes for uh, Josh Allen. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. I think he threw for like 324 yards, and and not only that, I think he had like uh, 50, 54 yards rushing. And 
it, it's going to come down to the quarterbacks, you know, who shows up, whether it's Allen or Jackson. I think that's going to be the uh, determining factor. Gary, what would worry me as a Buffalo fan, and I, and I do think Baltimore is going to win that game. Um, what would worry me from a Bills perspective is they simply cannot run the ball, much like Pittsburgh couldn't at the end of the year. Their, yes. their best running back yes. is Josh Allen. I mean, by a mile. And, th- and that's the difference. Ben, Big Ben could, can't run anymore. And, and Connor was done with the Steelers. But, but you know, th- they've tried and tried with th- these guys like Moss and Singletary, uh, Buffalo, that is, to, to run the football. And, and they just can't get it done, Gary. They're, they're, their best plan of attack is, is almost going old school, single wing football and just letting, letting Allen decide, if, you know, play after play. Am I running the ball or throwing the ball? Um, he's clearly got the best wide receiver on the field that day and digs. He's, he's dramatically better than anybody Baltimore has, but Baltimore's got the better defense. Um, I will be honest. I, you know, I, I thought Buffalo was semi-fortunate to escape that Colts game with, with a win. Frank Reich botched a couple of choices to me, at least. Uh, I was surprised. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Rob. Turning down, turning down points, Gary, going yes. for it on fourth and four at the goal line and, and bypassing a field goal. I mean, if he even takes that one simple one, Gary, before half, that's a 27-27 game when it's when it's all said and done and it's going to overtime. But, mm-hmm. you know, Reich made a couple of questionable calls along the way like that. And, um, you know, I I mean, kudos to Buffalo. They Again, they, they got their first playoff win in forever. But I'll tell you what, I you know, Baltimore certainly has the edge and experience, um, has the better defense. Lamar Jackson, like you said, Gary, can can tilt the field, certainly with his legs. I, I, I like them to go in and, and, and steal that one, um, you know, at Buffalo in, 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 a, in a tight one, but like a 23-20 kind of game. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Now in the NFC, this is the game I think that probably any NFL fan is going to watch. I mean, it, it, to me, this doesn't get any better. Buccaneers and Saints, and the Saints are favored by three points. Um, I've been on the Saints bandwagon before the season started. They, they were my preseason pick to uh, advance the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And uh, they're favored in this game, obviously, by three points. And I still like them. But uh, some red flags went up when I, I watched them play the Bears. They, they, they didn't look really in sync. They seemed dysfunctional at times. And uh, conversely, I, I think the Buccaneers are, are clicking on all cylinders. Brady is Brady. Uh, I, I noted this uh, at the outset of the podcast. He's thrown 14 touchdowns and had, has had one pick in the last five games. And then you brought uh, my guy, Antonio Brown, at least my guy on the football field. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but, but that guy's a monster. I mean, he's got a proven record of, of being good in, in, in big games. And you, you look at the whole package, and uh, I, I think the Saints are, I mean, the Buccaneers are, quote, upsetting the Saints. Gary, I agree with you. And, and, and if I had to throw some money on the game, I, I would certainly uh, take Tampa Bay in the points. But I, I'm going to throw a couple stats at you that, that blew my mind. And it's just kind of dumbfounding on, on a lot of levels. So Arians has been, Bruce Arians has been Tampa's coach the last two years. Right. He's 0-4 against Sean Payton. Okay. They've lost all four games when you know, the Tampa's lost all four to New Orleans in that time. Gary, the combined score in those games is 137 to 67. 
So they've outscored them by 70 points. I mean, that's, you know, that's 18 points a game, roughly 17, five. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's crazy. You even remember back to week nine this year, down in Tampa, Gary, it was 38 to three where New Orleans ran them out of the place. I can't figure out because I'm with you uh, in, in so many of these matchups and so much of this on paper, Tampa to me gets the edge. I think Drew Brees is almost done. I, I saw just what you saw in that Bears game. He can't throw the ball downfield no. more than you know ten yards. Uh, if, if I'm if I'm Tampa, I'm sitting on some of these routes and 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 trying to pick him off two or three times on the short and intermediate stuff, and and take my chances on him throwing the ball thirty or forty yards down the field to Michael Thomas because he for the most part he he, he can't do it anymore. He's improving that he can. Um, so no, I, I I'm with you. Even you know, the, the Bears. I know that that final score was 21 nine or whatever. I mean, but that was seven to three midway through the third quarter, wasn't it? And, mm-hmm. and then Brees kind of had that crazy drop off throw to the, to the running back for a touchdown when it, when he was the safety valve, there coming out of the backfield. I, I I'm just telling you, Gary, new Orleans passing game. Isn't nearly what it used to be. I'm sure that's why they want to move on here at the end of the season from Brees, whether that's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston or who, whoever, but kind of get back to what Sean Payton wants to do down the field in the pass game. Everything right now has to be short and intermediate. And most of it's not even intermediate, Gary. It's just short. Yes. Yes. Um, And and that's why I thought the bears actually had a good defensive plan. They they wanted to take Camara out of the game. Right. And make uh, breeze beat them. And and like you said, I, I, there were times in the game I felt sorry for breeze. It was like, he was a high school quarterback. He didn't have any arm strength. And uh, there are a couple of times which really, really, really shocked me was he, he became unraveled and, and Drew Brees is usually a model of composure. Uh, so uh, again, I, I don't think they're the, you know, offensive juggernaut that we've seen in recent years. And uh, with, with, with Wade Brady is now comfortable with those wide receivers and his tight end having Gronk. And, and the other thing, Tampa Bay has a pretty good running game. I mean, it's not great, but it's good. And uh, it's going to keep them honest. So uh, again, th- th- this is my quote upset special of the week. <laughs> I, I don't even think it's an upset. You know, I, no, I, I agree. I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I guess it would in the eyes of Vegas and, and the history of the rivalry here, the last, the last couple of years, but, but Gary, honestly, if, you know, if I was a Packer fan or, you know, for Packer nation out there, I would rather see by far Drew Brees come to Lambeau Field for an NFC Championship game versus Tom Brady yep. instead of Tom Brady. Tom Brady would scare the bejesus out of me. I mean, he's 31 and 11 career now in the playoffs, nine Super Bowl appearances, six Super Bowl championships. I mean, the, the guy's the greatest winner in the history of the game, right? And he still and he still has it at 43 years old. Like you said, it's almost like he's peaking in this offense. As, as the second half of the season has gone on, um, he's just getting better and better and more comfortable with all these people around him. I, you know, I, 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 I would have no issues whatsoever from a Packer defensive side of things, having to play against Drew Brees in the NFC championship game, Gary, because I, I think that arm of Brees' is, is just dead. So I like Tampa in that game. The numbers don't back, back me up, Gary, in terms of the last four appearances. Uh, between these teams, including the two that they played this year, but I but I like Tampa in that game, and and I think Green Bay Tampa is the NFC Championship game. Yeah, we uh, talked extensively about the Packer Rams game, and, and I'll just ask you, 
for one quick hit, who do you think is going to win and what kind of score do you think it'll be? I'm going to go uh, 21-16 Green Bay. Like I said, I think it's a grinder. I think Aaron Jones is the player of the game. I think he gets in the end zone a couple times. I could see him, Gary, having 175 total yards between running and catching the football. Um, and I think he makes himself even more money on Saturday afternoon than, than what we thought he was going to make as he heads into free agency here come, <laughs> come the middle of March. So I, I think they get after Goff. I think they sack him four or five times. I think Goff struggles immensely. Um, I think the Rams' only touchdown in the game, Gary, is going to be a special teams touchdown. And, uh, and the Packers find a way to win, though, um, probably on the legs and the arms, you know, the, the catching ability of Aaron Jones. I, I'll go 21-16 Green Bay. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to say the Packers' offense is going to keep on clicking. I, I'm going to give them 27 points. And I think the Rams, again, it, to me, it's like the quarterback situation is so iffy. I'll say they're going to get 20 points at max if Goff is banged up or if they're they, they, they uh, if he's unable to play, put it that way. So uh, I, I like the Packers, uh, the seven point spread. I think that's pretty fair and we'll see what happens. All right, Rob, it's time for our parting shots. I'm sure you, you got a good one. I'll let you start my friend. No, I, I'm going to save mine this week for last because I think you'll really, really like it. <laughs> All right. I, Gary, I, I talked about this again a little bit earlier on the show. I know I've talked about it a lot on the show over the last, you know, heck, through the course of the season. But, but we're at legacy time now. We are, you know, we, we've hit a point in the season where, you know, when you, when you get this deep in the postseason, when you get this far in the playoffs, where we start talking about the greatest uh, quarterbacks of all time and how does a guy like Rodgers join that list? Gary, right now, I would have Rodgers somewhere in maybe that 10 to 15 range of all-time quarterbacks. And I, I know Packer Nation doesn't think that's high enough, but but he has one Super Bowl. Gary, I'm going to give you the list here. There's Again, there, there's a dozen guys with multiple Super Bowls. Tom Brady, six. Terry Bradshaw, four. Joe Montana, four. Troy Aikman, three. And then the, here, here's the list with two. Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, John Elway, Bart Starr, Roger Staubach, uh, Bob Greasy, Jim Plunkett. Rogers, Gary, to me, with a dynamic postseason and a second Super Bowl, probably jumps into the top five quarterbacks of all time. He's not going to pass Brady. He, he, he's not going to pass uh, Joe Montana. To me, he's probably not going to even pass John Elway. Um, I, I'm not sure I'd put him ahead of, of Bart Starr. Um, you know, but, but he's in that discussion then, Gary. He's, mm -hmm. he's ahead of Favre then all of a sudden. And I'd have Favre right now in that five, six, seven range because when Favre retired, Gary, he, he pretty much held every passing record there was. Uh, we're playing in a much easier time now for quarterbacks and for offenses to pile up statistics. But Rodgers, Gary, to me, can jump from that 10 to 15 range, certainly into the, into the discussion of top five of, of all time. We, we talked about some of his playoff clunkers. He's also had dynamic games, Gary, through, through the playoffs, too. We, we remember back to 2010, he was absolutely outstanding in that Atlanta game when they went down there as the sixth seed and upset the top-ranked Falcons on, on a Saturday night, and um, he, he was absolutely outstanding there. He, he beat the Cardinals, Gary, 
or I'm sorry, he, he lost to the Cardinals, but he, but he went down fighting in a heck of a game in 2015. Remember on the Hail Mary play to Janice, he didn't have any wide receivers left in, in that particular game. I thought he was really good against the Cowboys in 2014, a game they won 26 to 21. Um, he kept him in some games against the 49ers in uh, 2012 and 13 when, when San Francisco's defense, Gary, was as good as any in, in football. So, um, and, and of course, we remember his, his legendary game when, when the Packers went down and, and stunned the Cowboys in the divisional playoffs in, in 2016 when uh, Dallas was the top seed there and he had the late, late uh, big play to, to Jared Cook that set up the Crosby field goal. So he has had his share of really good playoff games. Gary, he needs three more. If he does it, Green Bay's got a real chance here to win a Super Bowl. And then we're talking about Rodgers probably as a top five quarterback of all time. If he doesn't, he's just another guy with one ring who's, who's in that big pond of guys with one ring that we talk about, you know, having, having an outstanding career, but could have been a lot better had he gotten another championship. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to get any more chances as good as this, Gary. It's up to him to take advantage. And to agree with you on every point, you were absolutely correct on all of them. Um, my top three, let, let me see if your top three coincide with mine. I'd have Brady, Montana, and then I have Peyton Manning. Yeah, I, I, I'd, agree, I'd agree with that. Yep, yep. I, I, I think I would go just like that too. Um, you know, Terry Bradshaw doesn't get quite enough credit. He has four rings, but... Agreed. People beat on him a lot because of the high interception total and stuff. It, it was just such a different era, Gary. I mean, teams teams didn't, you know, freak out like they do today about an interception or a turnover. Each each quarterback on a given Sunday would would throw a couple, and it was it was mm-hmm. almost like, well, your guy threw two, my guy's going to throw a couple. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. it was just a different, exactly. just, just such a different era. And and again, everything back then. Um, it w- was so dramatically different for defensive players, right? You could beat the nonsense out of wide receivers down the field and, and bang them and bump them and chuck them the whole way down the field. Everything today, Gary, is set up for the offense. The league loves 38-35. Um, oh, my God, Rep. You know what, Rep? I was, I was talking to another writer the other day about this. Can you imagine all the quarterbacks that are going to go into the Hall of Fame over the next 10 years? Right. I mean, it's, it's just going to be crazy. You'll see a running back maybe once every four years, you know? No, you're a thousand percent right. And you mentioned earlier too, the quarterbacks coming out of this draft. I mean, quarterbacks are just start, you know, people start training quarterbacks now at 10, 11, 12 years old. College systems are very similar to pro systems. So these mm-hmm. guys can come in and play right away. Uh, you, you, you don't see nearly as many quarterback busts as you did a generation ago, Gary. Um, you remember it always used to be well, right? For every Peyton Manning, there's a Ryan Leaf, um, and, and that that's not the case anymore. You know, three or three out of four, four out of five of these guys usually wind up panning out, and um, you know, everything is set up right now for quarterbacks to succeed and for offenses to succeed. So these these guys, Gary, that played 30, 40 years ago, you know, right? Like Montana and and Staubach and Bradshaw. Just to me, they don't get enough credit because their numbers don't jump off the page like a Peyton Manning. But I can promise you, Peyton Manning's numbers would be 65% of, of what uh, they wound up being had he played a generation ago. There you go. All right. Here's my parting shot. And like I said earlier, I think you're going to like it. 
The other day, I uh, read a tweet by Brett Favre, and uh, of course, I had nothing better to do. I decided to check out his Twitter account, and uh, I noticed he's got like eight gazillion followers, of course, but he only follows 146 people, which isn't a lot, 146, okay? Right. There's people like Jack Nicholas, okay? There's people like Faith Hill. There's people like Tom Brady, people like Patrick Mahomes, people like Joe Namath. I mean, it's like a star-studded collection of who's who in sports and entertainment. So I'm scrolling down, and I thought I had lost it. I go, wait a second. Really? Really? And it was people like Rob Reichel. <laughs> Oh, Did you know that? Me. I had no idea. Brent Favre follows you. And not only that, you are the only media person from our great state that Favre follows. How cool is that? Congratulations, my man. Um, is there a prize with that? Do I, uh, <laughs> do I get a mortgage? Hey, I'll off? tell you what, he's not following me. <laughs> Well, that's, it, it, it's very flattering. Any, anybody that knows me well and, and, and knows my work, knows my great affection for, for Brett Favre. And to me, Gary, he was, he was the last John Wayne we've seen in, in this Yes, league. good analogy. He, he, is, he is the all-time tough guy, the all-time badass. And, and if I ever needed one guy to go win a football game, he'd be the guy I picked. Now you got to tell me, did you have a pretty good rapport with uh, Favre, you know, during his days in Green Bay? Yeah, you know, I didn't come in and start covering the team till 01. So really I caught the second half or just the last seven years of his career in Green Bay. And, and by then, Gary, he was, he was a little more isolated, I'm sure, than he was early on. Um, but yes, it, it was always very friendly and cordial and, and, and he, was, he, he would be chatty, you know, going through the locker room and BS about this and that. Um, he, what, what, what I always admired and respected and, and, and watched things he did, Gary, he was, he, he was so tremendous inside that locker room in terms of bringing people together. Um, and, you know, and, and he and I talked about this a couple different times, you know, from, from the time he was four years old, Gary, he was following his dad into locker rooms, right? He, mm -hmm. he understood how important chemistry was right to a football team just how important it was to keep groups of people together not apart I mean you've seen it with so many teams that that they they get frayed and they get sent in their own direction due to selfishness and losing or whatever Brett Favre was one of the all-time greats Gary at bringing people together and he could bring a locker room together and and he could go to one side of that locker room Gary and um you know, talk about hunting with a guy. He could go somewhere else and talk, talk to a guy about rap music. Um, he could go somewhere else in that locker room and, you know, maybe play some kind of goofy card game with him or dice game with him. He, he's a people person and he brought people together. And, and Gary, that, that's why I'll say he, he, he's as good of a leader as I have ever seen. And, and it was one of the huge reasons they won as many football games through his time as they did because the guys in that locker room, honestly, Gary, they would have died for him. Uh, his offensive linemen loved him to death. The guys he played with absolutely loved him to death. 
I think it trickled off a little bit as he got older, which is natural when there's such an age gap. But certainly in those years, Gary, in, in the prime of his career, probably into his early to mid-30s, um, he, he was as beloved as anyone you'll ever see. Well, pretty cool, Rob. Well, you made my day, though, Gary. That, 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 <laughs> good, old, you know, good, old, respect- good old Twitter. I'm going to have to like, you know, bow down every time we start one of these podcasts now. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, Gary. Yeah, the, the way, the way Twitter's, the way Twitter's going, they'll probably suspend our accounts anyhow. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'd be better if I wasn't on Twitter, but that's another, that's another <laughs> I think thing. the whole world would, Gary. Yeah. Well, Rob, thanks again. It, it was an absolute blast, uh, as usual, every week, uh, it's amazing. I, I just am impressed with your uh, inside and knowledge on the uh, Packers in the NFL. So, thanks Gary, so much. Gary, you think we'll have anything to talk about next week? I think <laughs> we will. <laughs> so, Rob, take care and uh, thanks for your terrific insights. And thanks to all our listeners. All the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWuffle and WuffelsPressBox.com.